When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Talking City podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined again this week by Ian Cheeseman. Hello. <laughs> and by <laughs> Stu Brennan. How do you? Are you alright? Both of you were at the game yesterday. City beat Chelsea, humiliated Chelsea, embarrassed Chelsea. So many ways to Dominated describe it. Chelsea, yeah. never won it. Um, we've been speaking briefly as well before, before we came on air. Um, was that City at their best or Chelsea at their worst? Or maybe a bit of both? Well, I want to hear what Stuart's got to say first, because then I'm going to just dive in. There's a lot to say about <laughs> Eager this. to go to the hurry. <laughs> well, I thought City were great, but I thought, as other people have said, Chelsea were a complete embarrassment. Um, I thought we had a global showpiece here, yeah. the reigning champions against the champions-elect. And I thought, you know, Chelsea have got pride as a club, they've got a good manager, some great players... I thought they'd come out and they'd really give it a go and we'd be in for a spectacle. Because you don't, you don't see that. We haven't seen yeah. many of those this season. We've seen City play some brilliant football, but we haven't seen many games. Probably the one that stands out is Liverpool yeah. City at Anfield. But, and fair play to Liverpool. You know, they came out and gave it a go and beat City. Yeah. <clears throat> you think Chelsea would look at that and think, well, we can do that. Yeah. We've got Eden Hazard and Willian and Fabregas and all these fantastic players. We can do that. We're not having City take our trophy away from us without at least showing them yeah. that we're still here. I thought it was pathetic. Absolutely. I mean, Jamie Redknapp called it a crime against football. All I kept thinking of was people... We keep going on about the Premier League being this fantastic league, uh, which it has been. But I kept thinking about people in far-flung places tuning in to yeah. watch what should be a great Premier League game. and thinking, this is terrible. You know, all right, City are great. You know, they're really giving it a go and they're playing some nice football and... But you can never get a proper spectacle unless both teams are having a go. And Ch- I mean, I felt a little bit sorry for Antonio Conte afterwards because I was in on a radio interview um, and he'd asked, he was asked for the fourth or fifth time about David a story. And of course, he gave a story his, his international debut and he was clearly very emotional and very upset about it. And he had been since mm-hmm. hearing the news that morning, but he had to go and put his, put his team out and prepare them for a game. And uh, he was uh, extremely upset. So, uh, you know, maybe that's that's a factor in it. But, you know, his players his, his players were appalling at times. Just Arsenal got Arsenal got stick for walking at Wembley. Gary Neville yeah. was laying into them. Chelsea were standing still in that <laughs> game for long periods of time. They weren't even moving. Yeah. You know, it was like it's like City were playing on the training ground with those, those mannequins, still mannequins and dustbins or whatever they used. <laughs> Incredible. Did you feel then that Arsenal were awful as well in the two games at Wembley uh, and Emirates? I thought I thought Arsenal gave it a better goal than Chelsea did. I mean, obviously Chelsea had a had a plan which they, they tried to execute and failed. But uh, but I've got more respect for Arsenal because I thought that they were 
they at least showed some attacking intent. You know, the start of the game at Wembley, they actually came out and, and goal tried to win it. Ten minutes, yeah, they yeah, yeah. They, they, they played pretty well. They, they, did, they played well in patches in the game at the Emirates. There's no part of that game. Perhaps the last five minutes where Chelsea suddenly realised they were losing 1-0 and that they couldn't lose 6-0, no matter how hard they tried. <laughs> Um, that they actually came out and, and gave it gave it a go. That that is it's just anti football as far as I'm concerned. Well, um, and I can hear what you say, and I suppose looking at you, you mentioned global audiences. You and you spend uh, you talked about a spectacle for football, and it is the entertainment industry at the end of the day. So I can understand that. I'm going to now look at it from a from a Manchester City fans perspective, which is what I am. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, Pep Guardiola has built a team and set a team up with a, a certain way of playing. And that way of playing is designed, in my opinion, he might not use these words, but to smother the opposition. So to dominate possession, it doesn't matter who they're playing against, 70-80% of possession, they do this regularly in games. Um, and it's not just about playing open and entertaining and creative football, which they are brilliant at, but it's also about... Because it's so dominant in what they're doing, and when they lose the ball, every player immediately is hounding the man in possession on the opposition, trying not to let them get out of their own half, and trying not to let them build up any momentum or any pressure or whatever. And because he's he's doing him and his team, Pep, are doing it so effectively, I think it makes the opposition look poor. So we walk away from games saying Arsenal were poor at Wembley, apart from 10 minutes. Arsenal were poor at the Emirates. Um, Chelsea were poor at the Etihad. Now, there'll be little exceptions. Um, obviously, a weaker team against Wigan struggled a little bit and it didn't dominate in the way that they can do. And Liverpool were prepared to go toe-to-toe -to -to on their own ground. And I believe that they're the only English team at the moment who have the quality within their squad to actually be able to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with City mm -hmm. and go for it. And obviously the Champions League quarter-finals are on the horizon. And probably the team I'd fear is a blue more than anybody else playing in the Champions League at the moment would be Liverpool yeah, yeah, over two yeah. legs because of the the way that they play and that comes from the way that um, Klopp wants to play and he's, uh, you know, the first thing we noticed about Klopp longer ago than before Pep really started to make his mark in English football was this pressing game, that was what he did but he couldn't get his teams to sustain it for 90 minutes which is the bridge that Pep has done he's he's made a team that can sustain it for 90 minutes and it blows me away now within that game I still saw things this is the Chelsea game now I'm talking about I saw things um, Sane for example when he wriggled through and beat about five men yeah. as he went into Chelsea the Chelsea watch. penalty area yeah. uh, there was another one where the ball came to him on the near touchline from where we were um, and when it, as it came over towards him I thought he cannot possibly come out of this with the ball and, uh, and I find it hard to, hard to describe this, but he sort of twisted and controlled it on his chest and then suddenly went away down the left-hand touchline and I thought... And, and I was actually found myself muttering under my breath, swearing, I'll, I'll admit, <laughs> under my breath, you know, sort of thinking, how the hell did he do that? Wow. Mm. Now, OK, I'm a City fan, and if you're a Chelsea fan, you might not feel that way. <laughs> you might think, well... 
Why did that defender not get the ball off him? Why did the tackle not go in on uh, Leroy Sane? And clearly, if you're sat in, I don't know, the United States and you've no leanings towards City and Chelsea and you're a football fan, yes, you want two teams to go toe-to-toe, and that's not what they got. But Mm -hmm. certainly from my perspective, and I was astounded by how many City fans that I spoke to after the game, City fans remember, City fans, were saying wasn't a good game, that didn't enjoy it. And I'm thinking, how could you not yeah, yeah. enjoy that? Not just the fact that City won, because I'm not about the result is the only thing that matters, no matter how your team plays. I want to see this magnificent football, and I'm seeing it. But ironically, and this conversation is something I'm sure we'll come back to in future podcasts and and columns and all sorts of things in the future, is the better Pep's team plays, the more the opposition is snuffed out, Mm. the more one-sided the games become, the less they become attractive to to everybody outside of Manchester City. Yeah, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. And I, I... It probably sounded like I was just being saying it was all. I wasn't criticising you, Stuart. I was. You made the point very eloquently on behalf of, yeah. of the other the other argument, which is a fair one. That's a fair one. I, as you know, I, I love watching. So even the game like that, because there's always a challenge, and they always rise to that challenge, yeah. and they always do it with some brilliant football, like you say. I mean, the one that Sane thing. I don't think you did mention was where he chested down a long ball at the far post, turned inside and shot. Yeah, the right the line. effort. That's brilliant. Went, Again, yeah. you know, it, it, there was so much to admire about City. Just disappointment with Chelsea. Uh, I th- and what gets me is that I, you just got the feeling that they, they came thinking, if we get away with a 1-0 defeat, it'll be almost a success. You know, um, and teams are doing that a little bit. But you get Bristol City coming to City. You get Wolves coming to City. They're not bothered because if they get beat six 0 everyone expects it. No, their fans aren't going to get on the case like like Chelsea fans or Arsenal fans are. They don't mind getting beat six 0 at City, so their players are going out with no pressure. Come on, we'll give it a go. Wolves probably created more chances in that game at the Etihad than a dozen Premier League teams put together have done this season. You could argue Leicester as well, but but don't you think you need to qualify that by saying City weren't playing what we would regard as the first 11 in those games? Yeah. Right. Now, I know that the depth of the squad and the money that's been spent, this will be the other counter-argument, shouldn't make any difference because they've got internationals in every position. However, I would still argue mm. that the first 11 is still on a different plane than any yeah. other combination. Yeah. Ah, oh, you're beating me now. <laughs> <You're beating me down. laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I'm, no, I'm, 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 in a funny way, I'm agreeing with you. We're, we're all we're all yeah. agreeing here, but we're agreeing from different. But angles, I guess a, a good point. I mean, the Wolves game. There was a lot of sort of fringe players playing that game, but Bristol City home game, De Bruyne, Aguero. Yeah. There were quite they maybe more strength, but mm-hmm. like you said, I think if a team attacks City and, and, and tr- looks to try and go it in an attitude when they've got nothing to lose they always will do better but like you said a team like Chelsea probably couldn't afford to get embarrassed and it, I guess it's weighing it up what's more embarrassing for them a 1-0 defeat when you don't have a shot or losing 6-0 against City and seeing your Premier League crown slowly drifting away but we spoke last week about how big a week it would be for City because just off the back of a Carabao Cup victory it was maybe the springboard for further success we said the game against Arsenal would be difficult um, we alluded to a few years ago when City won the League Cup against Liverpool then went to Anfield and it's a completely different game a few days later that game at the Emirates and then the game yesterday a pivotal week for City 
did it go how you expected it to go? Did you expect two wins in your heart? Of no, I, I've got to admit that I thought it would be tougher. I um, thought there might be a little bit of, uh, after the Lord Mayor's parade, having won at Wembley, and they did it so convincingly at Wembley. Um, I, I don't know whether... Uh, I mean, Arsenal feel like a broken club. Obviously, yeah. they lost at Brighton after that as well. And, and it, <laughs> City's way of playing is, is so strangling on the opposition that I, I, I'm beginning to think that when a team is so outplayed by a team, it can be very de- demoralising. Yeah. And maybe we're seeing the evidence now of that with Arsenal. Now, I know Chelsea have, have not exactly been massively on form. I mean, they in themselves are fighting for a place in the top four yeah. after being champions last year. So they're not what they were. And you, you'll, it'll be interesting to see now how they react after this latest defeat. Because even though it was only 1-0... It felt like a very, very one-sided, one-nil performance. And you wonder how that will affect them. Um, But would I have expected three wins, two-nil? If I'm being honest, no, I wouldn't. But uh, pretty much does the league, doesn't it? I mean, that's, you know, I thought City might, might have got a win and a defeat or maybe two draws. But surely the door now is completely closed on on the title. Well, I thought if they'd have got a win and a draw those last two games... But the title would definitely yeah. be done, and I'm not somebody who I'm sort of quite cautious with things like that because of, like you, I'm long enough in the tooth to have seen big leads disappear in a matter of weeks in, in years gone by. But I, th- I thought if City get four points out of the Arsenal and Chelsea games, it'll be pretty much done. So to get six points, you've really got to think. Um, but what what impresses? Impresses you even more is just the mentality that, that you see from the players. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be in the tunnel after the game, and uh, Ilkay Gundogan came down, and, and we, we grabbed a quick interview with him. Uh, we should be able to read all about in the Manchester Union news, obviously. <laughs> but his take on it, I, I, I put to him that um, just to give you a little little bit of it, I put to him that you know it'd be great to get the, if if you can get the league wrapped up quickly. That would be great because you can then forget about the league and get on with win, trying to win the Champions League. And he just, he's, he's, a, he's a lovely chap, but he fixed me with a bit of a stare and said, no, 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 we, we can't look at it like that. We cannot look at it like that. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep your standards high. You've got to keep winning. You've got to keep the same mentality. Because if, if you don't, you know, we'll mess up the Champions League by letting it, letting it drop. So he's basically saying, we're not going to take our foot off the pedal. The, the minute, if we, well, if we win the league, because he wasn't presuming that they would, if we win the league early, we will keep going. We're, we're not going to, and he, he, he told me about when he was at Borussia Dortmund, I think it was seven years ago, uh, when they beat Bayern Munich to the title. And I think they won it with three or four games left to play. And uh, he talked about how they actually addressed that. You know, they, they, they said, we have to keep going. And what they set themselves, they were on schedule to get a record point total in the Bundesliga. And he said, um, that was what we did. We said, let's get that points total. So they kept the foot on the pedal, and I think they hit the points total. Um, and obviously, the, the, this year, City need to keep keep ham- keep the foot down, keep hammering that accelerator pedal, uh, so that they, when, they, when they go into the Champions League latter stages... They still have that same same mindset. He called it seriousness. We've got to keep the same level of seriousness. And uh, when you when you see the players thinking that way, and also you got you got to remember they're enjoying it immensely. Yeah. They're absolutely they don't want the season to end. You think the amount of 
physical effort they've put in because it is so tiring. You think they'll just be wanting to get the season over so they can collapse in a heap, find the sunbed for a week or two before the World Cup. Um, but they're just, they're just absolutely buzzing up it. They can't wait for the next game. So, you know, that mentality is just, is just immense. It's, it's, and that is the other side. I think Conte said after the game, uh, he was asked about the City and he said uh, uh, they're, they're, they're fantastic players, uh, but they have a fantastic mentality as well. And those two things allied together make you virtually unbeatable. It's the bit about City's performances this season which is the most underestimated, in my opinion, because everybody talks about individuals. There was a while where it was all about Kevin De Bruyne. Um, in the last couple of games, the two silvers have, have really uh, glittered, if you like. Um, you know, and, and there have been other um, Vincent Company, obviously, at Wembley. Um, but it's actually, probably more than anything else, that attitude that... that Ilkay Gundogan was describing to you, which is why they're so special, because um, it was brilliantly highlighted, I've got to say, on Match of the Day 2 by Alan Shearer, when he was talking about how they hunt in packs mm. as soon as they, they lose the ball, and there's like four players, they're like velociraptors coming <laughs> from different directions, you know, you probably saw that in, in Jurassic yeah. Park, you know, <laughs> wham, just getting in, and, and you think, that is absolutely right, and, and I still think that City... You know, and, and I don't think I'm the alone in thinking this. Have a certain amount of vulnerability in defence, but because of the whole way City are playing, and because of that attitude, it isn't exposed very often, is it? No, no, it isn't. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen people people tweeting out this morning saying that um, City are turning the Premier League into the Scottish, the, the Scottish Premiership. Yes. You know. <laughs> Where Celtic are on top. I, I don't think that will happen. And they've also been saying this is the lowest standard uh, Premier League ever, and yet there are five English teams in the, champ- you know, in the Champions matter. League latter stages. So you think, so you're saying the whole of European football has gone to this ever yeah, yeah. just because City are playing well? Absolutely. It's, 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 <laughs> it's not that the Premier League's fallen back, it's just City have spread ahead. That's, that's the top and bottom. Statistically, you can't argue. Because yeah. last season, um, the, where United and, and Tottenham and Liverpool are, that was where everybody was, wasn't it? And City have just done something completely different this year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, and we were saying before as well, and City, as we all know now, even if you are a pessimist, the, the league is theirs now. Um, Chelsea were in the same boat last season. We were saying earlier that when City come to defend their title next season they will be an even bigger scalp perhaps than they are now because they've got they will be the reigning champions but the mentality is fantastic at the moment we've seen how they've bounced back from that defeat against Wigan you almost feel like that defeat against Wigan almost not any sort of minor complacency out of the side and they've gone up an extra gear from there it might have been a wake up call that in the long run might do them the world of good going into the Champions League but how does City pushing forward going I know this season's not over but how do they ensure that they don't become the scalp in future. It, do, it does um, cause a few problems. I mean, a number of times we've seen a team that have won the league, and obviously Leicester are a great example, although they're a smaller yeah. club in a different situation, where they some of their key players then end up moving on. Um, you know, even the manager went the following season. I don't think that's going to happen at no. City in quite the same way because they're a different type of club. But there's always that little bit of a concern that once um, a, a massive goal has been fulfilled, yeah. 
that either players lose their edge, want to move on, managers want to move on. That might only happen if City win the Champions yeah. League. If they, even if they got to the final but lost narrowly in the final, it's still another huge focus and goal for next season. And, and I don't believe from you know Gundogan as an example that Stewart's given and, um, and, and just generally the way Pep is, that the intensity levels will drop and that that will be a problem. And City already are... You know, there to be shot at, and pe- yeah. people are already saying they're the team to beat. In fact, even in the Champions League, we've heard stories of Barcelona's opposition fans singing, You're just a eh, Man City, you know. Um, so the, the, the teasing and the sort of, you know, the, the, the wanting to knock City off the perch is, is, yeah. is already there, I feel like. Well, it comes from, I mean, that comes from the top. Can you imagine Pep Guardiola? Getting to the start of next season and walking in the dressing room and thinking his players have like dropped, he just would not have it. They'd be out of the team. You know, you're going to have to wash your ears out now because uh, (laughs) you think about, I mean, the team who who have done it in the last 20 years, who have sustained success, have been United. And that's because Ferguson had them by the scruff of the neck. He would not allow them. And anyone who, who did allow the standards to drop was out of that team. Pep's got that same ruthlessness, he's got that same drive. But He's also collected players who he knows are the same as him. They've got the same inbuilt desire to keep going and going and going. And I, th- I thought that was quite telling that uh, Vincent Company, what he said about that. Uh, whenever he's been asked about, I mean, I, I've asked him myself about how does this team compare to Mancini's title winning team and Pellegrini's title winning team, both fantastic teams. And he said, I don't know. I'll tell you about that when we, if we win it again. <laughs> So basically say Mancini had built a great team but then they let it slip in the next season. We've done that now. Let's let's all sit back and uh, and relax. Pellegrini's team did exactly the same thing and company was massive. You, you know Vinny as I do, massively unhappy about that. He, he, he just wouldn't, that doesn't enter into his consciousness. Uh, and I, there was a quote from him this week. I can't remember the exact words but it was something along the lines of when I get in that dressing room in the summer I'm going to look in the eyes of those players, you know, and I'm going to see what's coming. And you know, you, you've had this, when you ask Vincent a question he doesn't particularly like, you get that look from him, and you don't want that look from him, because he's, uh, he's a very nice man, but he's, uh, he's not somebody to, to cross. And, uh, you know, any players who do think that, I don't think there are any players at that club anymore no. who will allow that to happen. But if they do get those kind of ideas, well, we've done it now, we've... We've won the League Cup and we've won the Premier League. We've done well in the Champions League, even if we win the Champions League. If they think they're going to be allowed to let the standards slip, they're going to have Pep Guardiola to deal with. They're going to have Vincent Company to deal with. They're going to have Kevin De Bruyne to deal with. You know, all these players. David Silva's another one, another one who's unquenchable. He'll want to keep going and win more and more and more. That's why they're as good as they are. So the, the possibility of them letting it slip in the way Chelsea have or in the way that Mancini's team and Pellegrini's team did, I think is... Absolutely zero. I also think City is so far ahead of the others at the moment mm. that they might want to to knock them off the perch, and City might might just drop a slight bit of a standard next season because it's been a phenomenal standard this season. But I think the gap is already so big that, they can that even if that were to happen, that they should still be good enough to to win it again because. The others have, have got so much to do to improve. You, you, the, the plans that they've had this season, Chelsea, 
as we just talked about, United obviously, uh, even at Old Trafford in the Manchester Derby, we're interested to see what they do in the yeah. return Derby. But, but, but parking the bus is another way of saying it, showed a, a level of being scared and, and intimidation that I've never seen from a United team before, certainly in the Manchester Derby. Um, so uh, there's a big, big leap for teams to, to catch them up. So, But one job at a time, get it finished this season, first day. <laughs> the other aspect of it is, what we're forgetting is that this team, as far as Pep's concerned, well, this squad isn't finished. He's not a completed squad. He's still going to add to it. In, in the, we're going to get a, probably a central midfielder, probably Fred from Shakhtar Donetsk. They're going to get another forward player, whether that's Mares or whoever comes in. You know, it's going to be a top signing, whoever it is. Uh, they played virtually the entire season without Mendy. And you look at the games that Mendy was playing in earlier in the season. He gave them another dimension yeah. again. You know, they've got through this season with Fabian Fabian been brilliant, don't get me wrong, but he's not Benjamin Mendy. He's a midfielder who's asked to do a job. He's done a brilliant job. And then they're playing against Chelsea, the, the reigning champions, with a number 10 at left-back and still getting, getting through. You know, so the squad isn't, isn't complete. It's still a, a work in progress. So they're going to get even stronger in terms of the personnel. Everyone else is going to strengthen to try and beat City but City are going to strengthen as well they're going to go into the next season even stronger and that, that's just frightening yeah I think it's also frightening when you think about the, the star players we talk about most of them are so young and they've got so many years to even hit their peak City is just going to get better and better and better. Sane is a kid yeah. he's a rough diamond he's not um, he's not even the finished product yet but Bernardo Silva 23 yeah. De Bruyne's not at his peak yet you know there's so, so many of them even Edison and goal as well you say yeah. I mean, stereotypically, goalkeepers don't hit their pizza later in their career, but we've seen lots of quotes over the past five years that Nuno Gomez the other week saying he's in the top three goalkeepers in the world already. Mm-hmm. We'll see properly maybe in the World Cup this summer just how well he stacks up against other players. Of course, like he says, well, when Mendy comes back, Pep says he will uh, look into the option of playing Gabriel and Aguero up front again. He said the reason they stopped playing as a front two because he didn't have Mendy's support on the left-hand side. So that'll give City maybe that dreaded word that plan B next season if they need to go yeah. to up top or whatever but while we, were, we touched on it just then number 10 at left back Zinchenko mixed reviews on Sunday lots of City fans really happy with the performance he played at left back um, maybe fortunate not to get a red card in the first half it was a, it was a there was no intent in the challenge to, to hurt Victor Moses he went in and caught him late on another day maybe there could have been a red card he, he played well it was a solid performance um, I think he had the fifth most touches out of any player on the pitch from left back. Got caught out one or two times from Victor Moses on the right hand side. But what do you make of Zinchenko's performance at left back? Well, um, I've got to say, I thought it was actually a red card offence. So I thought City were, or Zinchenko were, were, was lucky yeah. in that in the instant. You can't be hypocritical about these things. Yeah. If that had been the other way around, with somebody sliding in from so far away with the foot high, showing studs first, he didn't connect. And that ultimately is, is what saved yeah. it, I think. Uh, but the, the recklessness of it was still there. And if that had been the other way around, I think City fans would have been calling for a red. Do you think so, he's got any lenience because he is an attacking player? Do you think that played in his mind? Or do you think no, I don't think the referee would, would even have that in his yeah. mind. I think, I think he, it's the simple fact is he missed him. Yeah. And the referee might have argued that uh, in that moment, Zinchenko has, has sort of kept his foot away from yeah. the legs and... So that, that's the argument to say it was only a yellow. But that aside, Zinchenko is, an, is ostensibly an attacking player. 
Um, so he fits into the Pep Guardiola mould perfectly. Yeah. And this whole thing about if you smother the opposition, you don't really need to, apart from on counter-attacks, uh, ideally deal with the opposition coming at you, not in the conventional pressure sense. If they did, City might be a little bit more concerned. But you can I don't think even Mendy necessarily... We haven't seen enough of him no. yet to be entirely convinced by this. But I don't feel as if Mendy is, an, is a defender, um, you know, uh, somebody that you're just going to see as an out-and-out yeah, defender. Exactly. Kyle Walker showed in the game against Chelsea two or three uh, misplaced passes that, that uh, and, and, and being out of position a couple of times that perhaps defensively, he's not absolutely perfect, but he brings so much to the table as an attacking um, and pacey right yeah. back. Mendy will do the same thing. The two centre-backs, whichever two of the four it is, their strengths, almost all of them, perhaps not Otamendi, although he's, he's learnt it during this season, and are renowned more for the way that they bring the ball out and pass the ball forward, as with Edison as well. His saves are like almost a bonus, but it's how he brings it out. That You know, you can see how Zinchenko, despite being a, a left-winger or whatever, or at least he was, yeah. fits in and work, works in that position, and how Delph, as a midfielder, can fit into that because he's got football intelligence so knows how to, to work inside yeah. that Pep Guardiola plan. So I thought Zinchenko... Forget the statistics about how many passes you've had because defenders often get the... At the moment, yeah. get these statistics because because they're not doing anything that's critical. They're often passing among each other. So I don't read too much into that. But my own eyes and the way he played in the game, for, for a lot of the game, I thought he was excellent. He can be vulnerable defensively. Obviously, that, that, that lunging challenge that could have been a red card showed a little defensive naivety. And and I think as an out-and-out defender, I would be slightly concerned. But he's had half come on. Yeah, in the last three or four months, I've seen a massive improvement. And, of course, that's down to uh, the genius that is Pep Guardiola. But the most fascinating aspect of it for me was the fact that he played in the first place. Yeah. Because he, uh, you know, we've seen the pattern since, since Dell's been injured. Um, we've seen the pattern, which is that when Pep knows that he's going to have 75-80% possession when you play in West Brom or, or one of these teams, um, he'll play Zinchenko because he, he knows that they're gonna be, the game's going to be played in the opposition half and that, that's where Zinchenko is used to playing. And he comes yeah. inside and he gets involved, so he's, he's quite comfortable. If you play a team that's going to put you under pressure... Uh, I mean, Delft went off at Liverpool and they brought Danilo on. Zinchenko could have come on in that game, but yeah. no, he brought Danilo on. Against Arsenal in the final, against Arsenal in the league, where you knew Chelsea, you knew Arsenal were going to have a goal at some point, he put Danilo in because he, he better defensively. You know, he, he's a defender, even though he's on the wrong side. Um, so to see Zinchenko on the team sheet it took me by surprise. And I'm thinking, is, is he is he expecting Chelsea to just sit in like like Burnley do and Southampton and West Brom? Well, surely they've got these fun, you know, Hazard, they've got Willian, surely Pedro, they're, they're going to be bombing forward and putting pressure on Zinchenko. You know, defensively, as you say, defensively he's not strong. Is he going to be a real weak link? If I'm if I was Antonio Conte and I saw Zinchenko on that, I'd say right. Hazard, get across yeah. there and get him under some pressure. Make sure you, you know, have William running at him who's quick and, and clever. But 
Pep had obviously seen it. He'd seen Conte. He'd, he'd obviously watched what they did against Barcelona, where they played that three-four-two-one with just Hazard up front and, and tried to hit them on the counter. He'd obviously seen that and thought, we're going to have the ball here for, for 75, 80% yeah. of the time. I'll put Zinchenko in there. So the fact that he's, he's sort of, he's predicted what Conte was going to do and then plays Zinchenko, that is a remarkable aspect. But yeah, I, I think Zinchenko's been great. I think he's been, he's been really good. Um, it just makes you wonder, what will he do if he played in his actual position now? <laughs> you know, he's the same with Delph. You know, I'm thinking England going into the World Cup uh, surely they've got to take Fabian Delph because he's yeah, had such an outstanding well, season. Yeah. But do they see him as a left back in competition with Danny Rose, or do they see him as a midfielder where they haven't got as many good players? Now Delph hasn't played there, but you know he's certainly been one of one of the best English players in this mm-hmm. Premier League season for my money. So, but the same with Zinchenko. Is Zinchenko now a left back? I don't think he is because no. he's still he's still lacking. And if 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 you're playing. Barcelona in the semi-final of the Champions League I wouldn't want Zinchenko in that position you know with, with the players they've got coming at you um, hopefully Mendy will be back by then and he's, he's the obvious, obvious solution uh, and barring that Delph will be in there but uh, where does Zinchenko fit going forward obviously he's having as many strings to your bow as you can, you can yeah. is a great thing but does Zinchenko go forward and become a city midfielder playing in the position that he, he made his name in, uh, mainly playing for Ukraine? Yeah. Isn't, isn't he ultimately going to be, on the evidence of what we've seen, the cover for Mendy when he's fit? Um, in, because he's younger and because he's a left-sided player, unlike Fabian Delph, who's actually a right-sided player, if you like, but very cleverly playing on the left-hand side. And in, in theory, Zinchenko could also cover Sane, you know, because he, he, you know, he, he can be a very attack-minded left-sided player. We we, do, we haven't really had the chance to see him play in that position. No. But knowing what Pep's like, I'm sure that he could develop him so that he could potentially be a cover cover player for those two positions, which he could fulfil that role for a year or two. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Well, and and dealt. I mean, we've already we've already seen. I mean, City. Uh, once Mendy was injured, City made the decision they were going to go for a left-back in the January transfer window. But Delft did so well that they just sacked that off and said, well, we don't need a left-back anymore. Mm-hmm. They just, they just yeah. don't. The fact that they got Laporte as well, who can play left-back, let's not forget that. Um, but Delft, Delft is, is the number two at the moment, but I'll take what you say. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he'd have the confidence to play Delft in, that, in one of those midfield roles, you know, play... Even in Fernandinho's role, because he's he's combative and he runs and, and he, he's good good on the ball. So it'd be interesting to see that. In fact, if if uh, you know if, if Fernandinho gets injured, would he put Delph into that position? You know, because it, it is a problem for him at the moment. He's playing Gundogan there, who isn't that player. He's not for me. Gundogan has been absolutely fantastic. I think. Don't get me wrong, but he isn't that defensive midfielder. Uh, he lacks a little bit on the physical side, which Fernandinho gives you. He's a digger, isn't he, Fernandinho? He puts him puts himself about a little bit and I think Delph is more suited to that role certainly than, than Gundogan so but that, that's the beauty of it you've got players who can pretty much slot in anywhere in his system you know uh, I think Kevin De Bruyne could play in that position as well because he's, he's aggressive when he needs to be and uh, he gets up and down and he covers and tackles and does everything that's required of him um, trouble is at this end of the season now the business end you could say 
the time for experimentation oh. is gone, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's yeah. not going to yeah. be any League Cup ties now and yeah. an FA Cup uh, ties against weaker teams and weaker games in the Champions League. I know Basel on Wednesday, you could argue, is the la- possibly the last example of that this season because it's a dead, virtually a dead rubber. But after that, you can't be going, well, let's see if Delft fits into the central <laughs> role. You're just going to go with whatever you think's the best every time, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, when you said that, Gundogan, I think important just to note, I know you didn't want your, your passing stats before, Jesus, but tough luck, I've got some for you anyway. <laughs> City broke the Premier League record, most passes ever completed in a single game yesterday, 902. Gundogan, the most passes by an individual player ever in a Premier League game. Start of the season, if you said City were going to do it in one match, probably wouldn't have said it would be the Chelsea one at home. You touched on as well there, um, Cheesy, um, Basel midweek, chance for players to be rested and rotated. We saw Foden come on for a very brief cameo again on the weekend. Do you think he's in line to start and who else maybe is in, in for maybe a surprise can, inclusion? Before well? you got that, can I just dish your stats completely? Because I think the way Chelsea played yesterday, me and Jeezy did a set of Premier League records <laughs> massive, knocking it around we'll between us. Yeah, well, we, we can pass it past dustbins, that's not a problem. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not knocking what City yeah. played because it's still an yeah. achievement. But, but it was because... is he's... I, th- I think he's suddenly become a a player who's who's every bit as good as the others around him. You know, I think he's he's shown over the last few games that Silva, De Bruyne, Fernandinho, he's on that level. Yeah. We, we saw bits of it last season. Yeah. He's had so many injuries, but... but now we, I think we're really seeing the player that that Pep bought, and uh, uh, I'm massively impressed with him. But sorry, yeah. so, so on the one hand, you're using those stats. To to impress me tonight. And on the other hand, Stu takes and, away. And they, um, they are impressive statistics, but those could also be the same statistics that those City fans who walked away from the game saying, yeah. I didn't really enjoy that, could use to illustrate why it wasn't <laughs> enjoyable because, <laughs> because one team was, as Stuart so eloquently put it, were passing between um, dustbins, you know, because <laughs> there, were, there are these little exchanges and... You know, you, you see it every now and again where two players who are three yards apart will literally pass it to each other yeah, about time. six times in about three seconds. Yeah. And you think, what is going on here? But it's all about keeping the tempo, isn't it? That's what they're doing. I don't even think they were doing that. It's, I think, yeah, I think they were just showing the contempt for what Chelsea yeah. were doing. And both sides just accepted it. Yeah. That's just what it was. You saw, uh, I think it was Silva was definitely one of the players in the, in the clip I saw. And the two of them were just knocking it, like, like they do in the warm-up, yeah. knocking yeah. it to each other. And Chelsea players are all standing watching them. I remember those moments myself distinctly. You're right, and that is the bit that that would, as a, particularly as a Chelsea fan, absolutely drive you insane, wouldn't you? You know, yeah, come on, come all make a way. game of it. You know, we're, we're, I mean, we're English football fans at the end of the day, and what, what do you, you know? I grew up with get into them, get stuck in, you know, and it is part of the game. It's such a big part, I and mean, it's what it's part of what makes English game great. And Chelsea just. Didn't do it, did they? For at all, really, during the game. I mean, somebody made the point that. Do you remember a a bad foul that they they committed? Do you remember, you know, rattling anybody, giving anyone a a bad? And I know, I know, you shouldn't do, but it is part of the game. It is part of the game, you know. And and other clubs are are trying to do. I'm not. I'm not suggesting the kind of horror horror challenges we've seen on De Bruyne and people like that that they've been lucky to escape. 
But I just mean giving somebody a good, hard, solid tackle, you know, and rattling them, knocking yeah. them in the air kind of like thing. Like Wilshere did maybe a little bit. Yeah, showing them yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Even, even Arsenal did it. But Chelsea just didn't even look, look interested in that. And I thought that was appalling. Well, to come back to what you were, you, what you were asking about, <laughs> which was Basel. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm off. Yeah. You set me off. You shouldn't set me off. You know that. Uh, it feels to me, is it, I mean... Even if Fernandinho's anywhere near fitness, yeah, I don't, no, he's not no, going to feature. Apart from anything else, he got booked in the first game, so he's one booking away, yeah. I think, from a suspension in the Champions League, and that's the last thing that they would want. Um, I would imagine that, that De Bruyne is not going to start the game. Aguero, who's been playing, and, and he's been playing brilliantly just recently, by the way, um, starting these games back-to-back, I don't see why he would or should start that game. No. Um, I would think Foden, absolutely, it's his perfect opportunity to, to put him in for 90 minutes. Uh, I'm, I maybe I'm out of step with all City fans when I, when I say this, but I'm still to be convinced by Phil Foden. No. So yeah. let, but, but the way to find out whether he's good enough is to actually play yeah. in some of these games. So let's see. Um, I feel as if it's possibly a tad early for him, but, but let's see. Uh, and I hope I'm wrong, because obviously, just like all other City fans, the fact he's one of us, you know, a local lad who, who supported City since he was a kid, means that I could not want him to, to succeed more. Yeah. However, I'm, I'm also trying to analyse in a professional way of stepping back a bit, and I'm yet to be entirely convinced. But let's see him play. Um, and you would say that anybody else that you would think, obviously, Vincent Company is fragile, so you wouldn't want him to play against Basel. Um, this is one where John Stones perhaps comes in, who hasn't been involved just recently. One question mark, I don't know what Stuart thinks, but does Bravo play yeah, I was in this yes, game? That's an interesting, uh, an interesting Because he's not going to play in any other <coughs> games unless Edison gets injured, is he? It's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, Pep's already said that he his policy is to play him in the domestic cup games and he's stuck to his guns on that. Um Shakhtar Donetsk, I'm trying to think of the team against Shakhtar Donetsk, and that, that was a dead rubber game. Did Bravo play in that? I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Might have been. I've got a feeling he did, but I, I, I could be wrong. And obviously, the people listening to this will go, <laughs> no, just looking it up on Google and go, is he talking about? <laughs> I'm not looking, am I? So I don't know. I was there at the game, I just can't remember. But um, This is what you get when you have geriatrics in the podcast, <laughs> that's a problem. I'm, I'll, I'll be, there is one other thing to say about this Basel game. That Shakhtar game was a dead rubber. Yeah. This one. Technically, he's not a dead rubber, although I've described it as that. So, <laughs> so, on the bench, you would want silver, whoever the players, the key players yeah. that have been left out, you want them all sitting on the bench. That's an insurance policy. Um, but, but you would think with a 4 0 advantage from the first leg that, you know, unless you're, you're suddenly 2 0 down after 10 minutes, that you're not really yeah. going to be too panicking about any of this. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick Bravo. I'd play this, and, but that's because I like watching him play. Yeah, he's a choice. Um, other than that, yeah. The, the thing is, they've got that many players back from injury now that they can make a lot of changes without affecting the quality much at all. I mean, you're always going to miss De Bruyne when he doesn't play. You're always going to miss Silva when he doesn't play, and Aguero. But like you say, Jesus is back now. Uh, we don't know about Sterling whether he's going to be fit. If or he's not. fit, you'd play him, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Stones and Laporte can come in. Um, that didn't work out too well at Wigan, but you know uh, the 
probably get away with it in this game. But even if they lost 1 0 to Basel, whilst some of the national newspapers might go, ooh, you know, it doesn't really matter, does no, it? Absolutely doesn't, no. And no. in the long run, developing that as a partnership is probably worth yes. taking these minor little hiccups if you, if you want to come along, because going forward, City still need to try and incorporate Laporte into the first team a bit more going forward. I know with the high-pressure games, if you've got company fit and available, you want to play every week. Um, if company doesn't play on Wednesday, he might play next Monday against Stoke. It seems a long way away when City are back in Premier League action. I think we said as well, before the next home game in the Premier League is actually the Manchester derby, which yeah. could be... It's looming. It's on the horizon. It's on the horizon. But, um, is it the next home game? Yeah, after Basel, yeah. It's mm. The next Premier League home game is the derby. Blimey. Calm That's yourself down. <laughs> Just keep calm. Oh, we've got me even more excited. The, 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 thought, the thought of Ian on that day, <laughs> if <laughs> City either win the title on that day or have already won it and watching United form a guard of honour, he doesn't, he doesn't bear thinking about his, his face. I'm going to be taking, taking pictures of his face. His face now, he's getting quite excited. But, <laughs> but if we can contain you for a, a moment, Jeezy, um, next Monday, Stoke away. Well, I, I'd find it almost easier to predict the team that will play Stoke <laughs> than the team that will play against Basel because I would Im- I would imagine that having declared his hand with company Notamendi yeah. um, at Basel away and then in the cup final and thinking that there's going to be players resting in the meantime, I would have thought that his first choice centre pairing is, is those two. Edison's obviously going to play in goal. Kyle Walker, if he's fit, plays at right back. Fabian Delphi, if he's fit, plays at left back. Fernandinho, if he's fit, plays in front of that yeah. back four. And then you've got the two Silvers, uh, De Bruyne and um, Sane with Aguero up top. So that to me feels like City's strongest eleven, And I would have thought that at Stoke City will because it's the last game for three weeks that you you pick your absolute strongest um, backs to the wall team because no doubt Pep in the press conference beforehand will be telling us how tough it is to go to Stoke <laughs> um, uh, and you know you know in theory you know an away game on a Monday night um, against the desperate Stoke team who are trying to stay in the division. Uh, and who have a reputation, or certainly have in the past, had a reputation for being physical and a bit long ballish. You would think that that's the type of team that, that he would select for the, for that game. So um, I don't know if you you weren't asking me about the question of what team would play. No, that, no it's, but it's, 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 a, it's yeah. a toughish one that, and um, and obviously they want to get this done. It's obvious yeah. that Pep wants to get this done as soon as possible. Even if it, they don't want to take the foot off the gas, just get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, ma- it makes it makes infinite good sense. I th- Stoke have only lost one in seven or something like that, so, haven't yeah, they? You know, they, since Paul Lambert came. Yeah, they're a bit of a revival. They're looking harder to beat, more rigid at the back, and like you said, set pieces, etc. They're going to cause a few problems for City. You yeah, expect and. You get all this, the old cliches of the biting wind on a cold Monday night. And it, it is windy. Yeah, it's very windy. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope this weather's sort of like that because we could, uh, we could all freeze yeah. to death at the Britannia. But I guess last quick question. I'm going to remind you of what you said last week, Cheesy. We asked you last week, will Aguero get 200 goals for City before this next podcast? You said he did. He well, know, he was unlucky maybe not to get one in the last week against Arsenal against Chelsea. Will he have one by... The next time we record the podcast. Well, that'll be these next two games. Yeah. I don't think he's going to feature against Basel. No. Um, might, unless they bring him on for 10 minutes to just try and get yeah. the goal and knock the record off. But I don't see him really featuring. Um, and at Stoke, well, it's anybody's guess. I mean, yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a very good chance that he will, will get that next goal. 
very soon it could come at Stoke, yeah. Quite telling that Pep was so full of praise for Aguero yes. after the Chelsea game when he didn't score. We've, we've come to associate Aguero. If he doesn't score, he doesn't have a good game because yeah. that's what he's been yeah. for City. He's just been a goal scorer. But the fact that he, I mean, he was instrumental in in the goal. You know, yeah. he was the one who, who battled for the ball and then gave it to Silva uh, to set up Bernardo. Um, it just shows you how much he's developed as a player under Guardiola. We're not really just talking about his goals anymore. Nice. We're talking about his all-round game. And, uh, you know, again, you've just got to tip your hat to Guardiola and, and what he's achieved in making a guy who was already a City legend into an even better player. Yeah. Well, that, that Chelsea game was a good example. He'd scored four goals in a game and, um, you know, you and I travel with a, a pal of ours called Charlie who... Um, I had an interesting conversation with after City's victory uh, at Arsenal where he wanted to name Ar- Edison as the as the man of the match and I said, well, the, the trouble is that when you win a game like that by scoring goals away from home yeah. or neutrally, it's hard to pick a goalkeeper as man of the match unless he really has been keeping you in the game. And in the same way, if a striker gets four goals in a game, you obviously, you all, all automatically almost feel you have to pick him as man yeah. of the match. So I get why Aguero would get man of the match in that. But I actually thought Aguero played better against Chelsea, despite not scoring, yeah. than he probably did no. in any of the three or four yeah. games previously. Yeah. And that, that's always what Pep was relating to. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Plays yeah. some of the best football he's known Aguero's ever played, isn't he? And I think that's true. I think, mm-hmm. like you were even touching on even earlier in the podcast, is just the feel-good factor around City at the moment. Everyone has that winning mentality. And I think it also comes down to the fact that Every City player has to keep their levels up because if they drop their performance one week, there's a ready-made replacement ready to come in and take their place. We've seen that with Bernardo, we've seen that with Gundogan. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to, I know Cheesy did it so expertly before, name their strongest 11 really, but you could argue for a number of players to be starting, which is a healthy selection. In, in, in two weeks from now, form changes yeah. it all around and it's somebody else yeah. that's in the first 11. That, that was just an instinct right now, yeah. right here, right now. We hold to it, don't Yeah, exactly, <laughs> but it'll change. Yeah. Well, it's like Fernandinho, we're coming back. Yeah, and he got a drop. He, he got to and gets dropped. Yeah. How can you drop a man who's in that kind of form? Yeah. I think he's been exceptional. Sterling's coming but back. Keeping Bernard, Bernard, Bernard. Yeah, they've been two of the best players of the last yeah. month or so, they've, haven't they? have been so. outstanding, the pair of them. So, I mean... It's, I'd hate to be a manager because yeah, I can't make a decision between tea and coffee. <laughs> so to be Pep Guardiola and have to make that decision and, and knowing that, you know, that lad just doesn't deserve yes. it. You know, he doesn't do that. But again, he's got players who understand it. They're smart enough. Yeah. They know that it's not personal. It's not anything they've done. They know it's just that he's doing it for yeah. solid reasons and he explains those reasons. He doesn't just sort of bomb you out and, no. and shut his door on you. You know, they're all fully conversant with it. They all fully understand. There's been no, uh, no real friction. I mean, Aguero's had his nose put out of joint a little bit, but he's reacted in the right way. He's had it explained to him, and he's reacted in the right way. So, you know, it's it's an incredibly happy, contented squad. They're all driving at the same thing. They're all all pushing for the same goal. They all understand each other's strengths. Yeah. Uh, they all cover for each other's weaknesses, and it's it's. It's a machine. Yeah. It's a phenomenal machine. Enjoy to watch it. So it is. Yeah. A happy squad. It's a happy podcast day after that. I'm very I'm happy. I'm glad you've ended, by the way, by saying it's a joy to watch because we started this by suggesting <laughs> there were some yeah. people who didn't enjoy that game that's... against Chelsea. It's a joy to watch. <laughs> enjoy that's it while you can. <laughs> so, yeah, 
Always a pleasure. Thank you, Cheesy. Thank you, Stu, for joining us. We'll be back next week after another tough test for City. We've got Champions League duties on Wednesday. Can't see anything going too wrong there in that cold tw- trip to Stoke. I hope you guys have your thermals packed for that one. But we'll be back next week for more Talking City. Make sure to, t- to subscribe on iTunes and Audio Boom. Thank you.